Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you today, Father, for your great word, your presence. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity, Lord, that we would be called into your presence. We know as far as nationality and Gentiles that we were without the commonwealth of Israel. In the Old Testament, considered dogs even changing from the old to the new, we were still looked down on. But through the breach that you made possible between God and man, you were the breach between the seals. So you brought us into that great place that we're not servants, but as we looked at it last night, as the apostles moved from being servants being disciples, called followers of the great rabbi, then they moved from there to be called friends. And after your resurrection, they moved from that to be called brothers. We're so thankful today, Father, that we have been beckoned into the household of God. We love you with all of our hearts. We pray today that you would help us. Lord Jesus, we've gathered here once again that we might worship, that we might pray, that we might give testimony, that we might be able to hear the word, that we might be able to be corrected. Whatever you have in your heart today for the service is what we want. We ask you, Lord, that each of us would be able to surrender what we are, our preconceived ideas of maybe the way we think the service should go. And may you have your way. Lord, you see the prayer calls I have in my hand today for Sister Deanna. You see the need that she has, Father. I pray that you'd just be mindful. As once again, it's come my lot to stand before your people and to try to speak the words of life. I need you so much, Lord. Help me, I pray. Father, shut my mouth to anything that would be displeasing to you. Make me sensitive to follow you, Lord Jesus. Help me as I endeavor to bring forth something that will help them to love you more. Help them to see your grace upon their lives. For it's in the name of the living word we ask it, the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. Are you happy to be in the house of God today? What a privilege it is for us to be gathered together in the worship of the Lord. Amen. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and then... Ephesians 1.9 and Ephesians 3.10. Certainly appreciate the Lord Jesus and his great mercy being extended to us that we would be called to be a part of the economy of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians 1.9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Ephesians 3.10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
May the Lord add the blessings to the readings of his word. You may be seated. Let me just uh, review for just a few minutes, if you don't mind, for those of you that weren't with us in the service last night. Two major things that God wanted to emphasize on this new body called the church in the New Testament. Two symbols by which they would be portrayed. They would be portrayed, of course, by many, but two of the great ones that we'd like to look at last night and, and today is one of them is the church will be a family. They will be a family called the family of God. The other one is that they will be a body. It will be a mystical body. They will be baptized into that body by the Holy Ghost. Many of them will never even meet one another in life. Uh, you consider that many of the New Testament saints, uh, most of them probably never got to meet the saints from Laodicea, the saints from Cappadocia. As the gospel began to spread, the saints from Alexandria never got to meet the saints from Ephesus and so on. So many of them never even got to know each other humanly in life. Yet they were part of a spiritual body as we are today. And we know the way we get into this body is 1 Corinthians 12, for by one spirit we're all baptized into that one body. So we don't come into the body by signing a book or joining a church or accepting a certain creed or ideology or dogma, but we're placed in there only one way and only one person can put us there and that's God himself. The design of the Lord God would be able to express something about what he wanted to accomplish in the New Testament. So he could have chosen any relationship that he so desired, but he chose to go this way in the family and in also the body. By choosing the assembly of the family, it would be the concept of something that would be closer revealed than it would be just to be a business or it would be just a group of people gathered together in a community. Now we know that that term is commonly used today, the black community, the brown community, the faith community, this community, but we know how that that can be so broad, that people living in the same community can be so diverse and actually be very great enemies. But he wanted more than just a community of believers, but he wanted it to be identified as actually a family. Amen. How is this going to be since many of them, uh, the many of the believers in the first stages of the early church, they were actually Jews. And when the Jews started hearing about how the household of Cornelius and the other Gentiles, that the Spirit of God was falling on them, they actually resented it. And Peter had to explain to the Jews that it was not him that had caused this great event to happen, even at the household of Cornelius, because the Jews were so stumbled by the grace of God being offered to the Gentiles that they couldn't hardly even grasp it. Amen. 
They couldn't hardly even get it in their mind that God would let the Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost. You've got to be kidding. Why would God do such a thing? But it's because the infancy of the revelation of the family had not been fully made known yet. And it would take years, actually, before Paul would be able to be the messenger of the church age and catch the revelation. James, of course, was one of the founding fathers of the early church. And James, if you read James' writings and much of the history about James, you see that James still struggled within himself, trying to understand the Gentiles and James still leaned toward the Jewish community and the Jewish family. But God chose to reveal himself in a greater way to the apostle Paul, and Paul was identified as the apostle to the Gentiles. James was never called such because James is as great a man as he was and we long to see him because he was a great man. But James never had the revelation of the broad spectrum of what the body of Christ was going to be like Paul did. So God chose Paul to be able to reveal it. So in this intimate family circle, it would become known as the family of God. It would be identified as sons and daughters of God. It would also be called the household of God. It would be called many things in the New Testament. And the word that was used, the word that I used last night was the Greek word which was called koinia. And it was a word that was used to symbolize a great unity that was beyond many times even a human family. And many of you know that being a part of the family of God, that you have more fellowship many times with the family of God than you will your own natural birth family. Unless, of course, they are believers. Because there's something about the affinity of truth that goes beyond the affinity of bloodline. Now, I know families many times tend to misunderstand that, and they think that families is the greatest bond in the earth, but actually, it is not so. We see from the Garden of Eden that being born into the very same family doesn't mean you're of the same nature at all. We see through Cain and Abel, through Jacob and Esau, on down through the Bible, that many of those of the natural same family were some of the greatest enemies that ever lived on the earth. But if you're born into the family of God, how could the Holy Ghost in you fight the Holy Ghost in me? It's totally impossible. So the Lord Jesus chose this aspect of the family to be able to represent what would be uh, manifested on the earth in a close union for 2,000 years. Then he also chose the other aspect to be identified with, and that was called the body. And Paul, again, was one of the ones that began to use this in such a great way of leadership, and he typed it that the Lord Jesus was the head, and that the bride or the church was the rest of the body. So it would be through the administration of the body that the Lord Jesus would continue on his work for 2,000 years. So it was going to be through the head, which would, of course, we know in symbolism of our own natural body, that our stomach, very, very important, all of the rest of the organs of the body are very important, but we all know you can live without a gallbladder, because some of you here today don't have one. Some of you here today 
have had different members and parts of your body that are missing. Now it hampers your life, of course, but you can live without them. But there's one thing for sure, you won't live long without a brain. Because there is the intelligence, there is the control center of the entire body. So is it with the headship of Christ? It must be there, and through that is the way the Lord Jesus has continued his ministry for 2,000 years. Now remember, the Lord never, never made a mistake in the beginning whenever he instituted what he called was the church. He was the one who used this word the first time in the New Testament when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the Greek word there that the Lord Jesus chose to use was ek ecclesia, ek Ecclesia, which is a group of people which are called out of their homes into a public place to worship God. Called out of their homes into a public place, ec ecclesia. So Jesus said, Upon this rock, which is Revelation, will I build my church. Now, in the New Testament, it started taking on this claim to be called what Jesus said was the church. It would also mystically be called the body, supernaturally, the family of God, the household of God. But yet, it's going to be through these attributes that the Lord Jesus will carry on his work. And this is why, of course, that the true church will always try to be like the original church in the book of Acts. And this is why, of course, that man always wants to add to what God said and take away from what God said and modify it by making it organized religion. And remember, Christ can never be the head of an organized system because they are run by men. So men send preachers here and they move them there and they send them over here and they tell them, you can do this and you can't do that. Well, how can the Lord Jesus ever lead a man then by the Holy Ghost whenever he's under the leadership of a bunch of men? Well, praise the Lord. But Paul wanted us also to see that the church is going to be a living body, that it would be something which would represent a facsimile or a recreated image of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. So there must be a ministry on the earth that will be like the ministry when he left because he started it the way he wanted it and he will end it the way he started it. So he couldn't start it out with one type of church, one type of ministry, and then end it in the last days with something totally, completely different. The headstone cannot cap off something different from the foundation stone. That's right. The Lord Jesus himself being the foundation stone, which of course was laid upon the foundation of the apostles. So he wants the people to be able to see that they are a body and that each member in that body is a functioning member of the mystical body of Christ. As I said, there are people that will be in the body of Christ that you and I will never meet. Now God has allowed me by his grace to travel in many different nations of the world. 
world and be able to meet many, many people around the globe. And I thank God for that privilege, but yet many of you will never be able to do that. But we are part of that same mystical body. Is that right? But yet we know that God not only has that mystical body, which many of those members will never meet, but God also established in the New Testament that there would be local bodies and they there would be the human representation of that supernatural mystical body. So it wasn't that there was just going to be this mystical body all around the world and they would never get together and they would never assemble together. But the local assembly is a type of what the great mystical body is around the world. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament that the feasts that were given to the children of Israel and three times a year, every well-able, well-bodied male were to come to Jerusalem. Now, not the females and not the children, but the men were to come to Jerusalem three times a year. And that was to keep the great, what they call, high feast of the Lord. They were not required on every one of the seven feasts, but the three male your high feast of the Lord. So there they would come and they would worship and they would sacrifice and they would praise. But the Lord Jesus is doing something now with the institution of spirit worship in St. John 4 when he told the woman at the well, woman, the time is now coming and now is when the true worshipers of God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, she said, our fathers say in this mountain here, which is Mount Gerizim, it's where we ought to worship. But you Jews say over there in Jerusalem. Now for those of you that don't know the history of the Samaritans, they had basically replicated uh, the law of Moses, the Torah and the Mishnah and they had built a tabernacle on Mount Gerizim. They had a high priest order which was not Levitical. They had uh, 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 many of the garments that was exactly like the priests. So they, they were a twin to what was going on in Jerusalem. And the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. But Jesus loved them both. Now, when the Lord Jesus went to this woman and he gave her, now she's the very first one, to hear of this new divine order that you won't have to be in Jerusalem and you won't have to be in Mount Gerizim, you won't have to be in Elizabethton, Tennessee or Dallas, Texas or Jeffersonville, Indiana, but the true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now this must have seemed very strange and very unusual. But yet the Lord Jesus was not doing away with a local assembly. And we know that all through the New Testament that the local assemblies were looked up to. They were actually accredited as being part of the move of God. Is that right? You Bible readers know that. And they were also identified with even ministry that was being sent forth. Now if you know your book of Acts very well, you know that whenever men were sent forth to preach the word, they were sent forth from the local assembly. You see, there was no such thing as the kingdom builders that we have today who want to go out and build a kingdom and pull people away from the local church that is totally against the word of God. Right. 
So they identified themselves. Even Paul, the prophet of the age, whenever he would go into a local area, Paul went to the local God-called, God-ordained church and wanted to be recognized with them. Paul did not go down the street and set up a tent or rent a building somewhere and try to pull them out of that church or cause a church split. Well, come on, don't get caught. I thought y'all knew your Bible. Now that's the way the church was set up. So then God could not start it up that way and then end it to where, oh, we don't even need church, no way. You're, you're totally antichrist in your belief. God started it out with people going to church, he's gonna end it the same way. Now what I'm hearing, let me make this clear to you that no doubt as it is today, so was it in that early church age that there were people that did not live near a local church. Now, they were not called Word of Life Tabernacle. They were not called Living Word Tabernacle. They were not called this or that. As a matter of fact, we don't even know any names that the churches were called by other than the name of the location where they were. So the New Testament churches were not called, as I said, Life Tabernacle, Word of Life Tabernacle, Living Word, this, that, the other, but they were simply identified as the church of Laodicea or the church of Thessalonica or the church of Ephesus or the church of Corinth. Is that your Bible? So if that church then would have moved and went from Corinth to Acropolis or to some other place, then more than likely they would have changed that name because it would have taken on the new identity of where they lived. Now this was so recognized in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation, which I'll read all these to you, in the book of Revelation, the Bible tells us, and to the angel of the church of Ephesus, and the angel of the church of Smyrna, unto the angel of the church of Pergamos, unto the angel of the church of Sardis, unto the angel of the church of Thyatira, unto the angel of the church of Philadelphia, unto the angel of the church of Laodicea. So they were identified, then God not only had a mystical body, but he had local assemblies and the believers went there. But no doubt there were some believers that were sick and they couldn't go. There was probably some believers that lived far away from Corinth and they did not have buses. They did not have cars and trucks. So some of them probably was unable to attend church very often at all, like we have today. So we have folks that live and wherever more and there are no churches around them. And yet, what do they do? Thank God, one good thing that come off the tree of knowledge of good and evil was people been able to stream. Now, as any good thing like that, there'll always be those that will abuse it. And there'll always be those that'll turn it into a bad taste in some people's mouth. But it's up to you as a son or daughter of God to use it in the right way. Is that right? But that does not do away or annihilate with the local assembly. Now, listen to me carefully. Neither does it mean that shut-ins, and this is what they were called when Brother Branham was here in the 60s, and he would greet them many times, the shut-ins, and it was people that was unable to come to church or the people that were sick, but they were still identified in the local body. Now, I hope this don't blow your mind, but our congregation this morning is actually an international congregation. 
Commission because we have people who identify this as their home church from Australia, from New Zealand, from the UK, from the Ukraine, from Russia, from all over the world. Not just our church, but the Tim's church and many others. And we thank God for those that are able to get it. But you know, the thing is, I want you to understand that whenever myself or any minister is striking those that don't believe in church, it's not so much those that don't have a church to go to, it's those who believe they don't need one. That's the spirit that is Antichrist. It is not those who would give. Look, friends, I get emails and texts from people all the time who would love to fill this empty spot right here or that one right there or those two or those four right there. They would give anything. They would give anything to move from Malawi, from Kenya, from Uganda, from different parts of the world. But more than likely, that will never be allowed to come to pass in their lives because of monetary and citizenship and so on. But that does not mean they don't love us, they don't pray for us, and they feel a part of us. Many of them know your names, and they know where you sit, and whenever you're not there for a few services, they will email me, where's brother so-and-so, where's brother so-and-so, because they know you. When someone passes here in the church, I will get condolences from people around the world, and they will say, oh, I'm going to miss brother so-and-so. I'm going to miss sister so-and-so. They were such a part of the service. Well, what? What is that? That is part of the mystical body that the Lord Jesus has around the world. And because of being able to stream on your phone, your computer, there's also an affinity that we have with one another. How many understands what I'm saying? But we know then that overall the bigger picture will be when we gather, of course, under our great king, the Lord Jesus himself, when the family of God will be joined together. Now let's jump straight into this about the family, that the family will be this divine unit, which, as I said, you can only be brought into by the father himself. Now we know it was Moses that, of course, performed under the duty of Adonai to the Old Testament people and he served well in his house. He served well in his house. But Moses could not be a son over his own house. He was a servant in the house of the master. But the Lord God would do something which had never been done before in that he would become a son over his own house. He himself would become one of us. Now Moses was born a Jew, but he was raised an Egyptian. And it took him years and years to ever come to the spot that he would recognize who he was and who his people were. So Moses then was brought into his own house. Now, of course, a household is considered a patronage, a genealogy. It can be a family. It can be a remote gathering of tribes. But in this sense, Moses had to learn his patronage. Moses had to learn his genealogy. He had to go back and learn many things about the Jewish people because he was raised in the ways of the Egyptians. 
So he became a son in the house of God. He became a son in the house and he ministered to the family of God while in that house. And he was faithful in his house. Ah, but I'll be it. The Almighty did not have to learn in the sense of human beings, but he wanted to so become one of us that he chose to become a son of his own house. Now you see, man cannot do this. For man cannot create himself or change himself to become from a father to become a son. Man simply can't do it. So when man will father a son or many sons, it is an extension of himself, but by mixing the chromosomes with a woman, 23 from the man, 23 from the woman, by mixing them together, you will also risk the dilution of the man giving up or foregoing part of the full identity. So the outcropping of that will be that the boy will be part mama, part daddy, part uncle so-and-so on the mama's side, grandpa so-and-so on the mama's side. But God wanted to become a son over his own house. But he didn't want to do it by mixing it with a female, a natural woman on the earth, and then make it, you know, half God and half Mary, or half God and half whoever more. But he wanted it to be a replicating work of himself in a human form. Great is the mystery of godliness. For God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, received up into glory. Now then by doing that, he would make a way that we as the sons and daughters of God, which we already were, would be able to be brought back into the economy of God. Let's read this that we read last night, Hebrews 2.17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Now I want you to notice that Paul places them as being his brethren before he ever come to the earth to die for them. Now the gospel, the way it's preached today by many, is that the Lord Jesus come to the earth and maybe somebody will feel sorry for him and they will accept him and then he will take them and transform them and change their species and make them something they were not. Well that may fit out yonder in Laodicea, but it won't fit at the bride's table. Wherefore, this is what the Bible says, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Now my, we've got this backwards then because we think, well, God sent his own son, this being come out of another being and it was a, a lower being of deity and Godhead, which is what Arianism is. And they believe that it come less than God, but part God. And yet he come to the earth and somebody would feel sorry for him and they would give him their life and he would totally transform them. All of them would be unworthy, none of them worthy of life, none of them ever received the seed of God, but my friends, my Bible is telling me that it behooved our Lord to be made like unto his brethren. So the ecclesia of God were already his before he ever came here. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation 
So here, make reconciliation or be brought back to an original place, not become something you are not. Back to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now this, of course, is made necessary and essential because God had to assume human nature. Notice this in Hebrews 3, 5. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house. Now, notice that Paul does not attribute Moses as being a son over his own house, but that he was faithful in all his house. So your Moses was faithful in the administration of the house of God at that time, or the Old Testament body, but Moses could not be a son over that house. In other words, Moses could not be a father to himself. Moses could not father himself a condescended body, but Christ is going to become a son over his own house. So the father will become the son. (laughs) Apparently that didn't do for you what it done for me. But Christ as a son over his own house. Notice Paul does not say Jesus. Remember the Bible telling us also in the book of Hebrews that Moses chose to suffer the reproach of Christ rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now remember Jesus, the human body, the mortality that he took upon himself was not in the Old Testament. (laughs) Well, well, well. Paul never said that Moses chose to suffer the reproach of Jesus, but Christ. It was Christ in Jeremiah, not Jesus in Jeremiah. It was Christ in Ezekiel. It was Christ in Moses. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what was Christ? The pre-existing living being of Adonai before he became Jesus in humanity. Hallelujah. But Christ as a son over his own house. So here the father chooses to become a member of his own family. Well, you say he was already a member of his own family. Yes, he was in the state of fatherhood, but he he wanted to become a member of his own family in the form of sonship. Why? Because you didn't just need a father God in heaven, you needed a high priest, which could be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. So God gave birth himself to a son. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So then Christ 
become a son or governor over his own house in a condescending form down through the church ages. And of course, in the resurrection of the saints, the Lord Jesus has not yet, as we know, received his crown. Tell me what king, tell me what governor, tell me what great potentate would wait 2,000 years in order to be crowned and receive the ultimatum of his victory. Only one, our God. So the Lord Jesus has not yet been crowned, but he's going to be by whom? Saints, saints in glorified bodies. You see, the crown on his head is further exemplified by the crown in his heart. You see, when you and I walk before him in a glorified body, the crown of achievement will be realized when the heart of God embraces thousands of thousands of his spoken words, seed children that now stand before him, theophany, oh glory. See Gene, theophany, glorified body, when that crown has been placed as it were on the heart of the Almighty, then his head is ready for the crown of gold. Hallelujah, the very heart of God projected a son who would be governor over his own house. You see, so a house was considered to be, even in the Old Testament, a body. You remember the handmaids there in the Old Testament, the midwives, and when under the, under the, the jurisdiction of Pharaoh, that they told them to kill all the Hebrew boys. But yet the midwives would not do it. So the Bible said because of that, God built a house for them. You ever wonder what that meant? Well, it wasn't God used two befores and two besixes and some shingles and throwed them up the house, but God allowed those midwives to be heiresses in the patronage or the family of Israel. God made them mothers. God made them mothers and built a house. Now look, as far back as we could trace back mine and Harry's family and say, well, this Reagan and this Reagan and this way, what are we today? He and uh, my, my, my brother Harry, my brother Jamie and my sister, what are we? We are of the house of the family of Reagan, which started, of course, over in Ireland and was called O. Reagan. So that's our original name. O. Reagan, I've got the coat of arms with it. A brother from there sent it to me. So we could trace it back and go plumb back across the water and find out it was this or this. Well, we are today of the house of Reagan as you are the house of Johnson or Smith or Brown or whatever you are. And the Lord God wanted to have a house. Amen. But he didn't just want to be Papa over the house, but he wanted to be Papa who created the house and Jesus the sonship to live in the house. So he wanted to be Jesus in the form of bridegroom that would be heir and marry the rest of those in the house. (laughs) I know you're going to think on this a little bit. It'll hit you after a while. You'll have that baked potato in your mouth and it'll hit you and that butter will go crossways. You'll think, glory to God, I see it. (laughs) 
You see, if we are a part of the family of God, then we are of the household of God, of which Christ is placed to be governor. This is the mystery, of course, of what it will be in the resurrection when our Lord raises his people from the dead and they follow in the same succession that he's followed in. And there we will stand in glorified bodies like our Lord. And in the eighth day when the city comes down upon the earth, and there what will we see? It will be God's human body called Jesus Christ, as we know him today. He will be called the great word of God. At that time, he will receive his new name. And that will be the visible part that we will worship through eternity. And there will be the Father God hanging over him, which is not a man, but a light. And it will be that great effigy of glory that pulsates from around this great person. And who will be the one will come up and touch and love and worship and feel. It will be our resurrected Lord Jesus. And there he will set as the son or the governor or the incarnate king over his whole house. And it will spread from one side of the earth to the other. And there'll be no more wars. And there'll be no more trouble. And there'll be no more anxiety. Why? The master of the house will have taken the whole thing over. Oh, praise God. Notice this. Paul uses this word house. And it's used six times in these verses here. And it relates to the family of God, the body of God, the mystical body of God on the earth. So if God built all things and Jesus Christ built the house of God, Jesus must be God. That's really deep, ain't it? Wow, I mean, anybody should be able to get that. Notice in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Galatians 6.10, and we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Look at the word household. Of one's own house, belonging to a house or family, domestic, intimate, belonging to one's household, related by blood. Praise God. Related by blood. Kindred belonging to the household of God. So we should be kind to everybody, but especially our family. I'm talking about the family of God now. Ephesians 2.19, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Again, Ephesians 3.14, for this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There's the family name. This is why we're not ashamed to take it in baptism. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Saint, your family name, that's titles. It's Lord, Father, Jesus, Son, Christ, Holy Ghost. 
Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth. Now notice in God, notice that the Bible tells us that God has made this same Jesus, both Lord and Christ, so the whole family in heaven and earth was renamed after the bodily condescension of the great eternal himself when he raised up that body and ascended it on high and placed it right on his throne, then the family name was changed to Jesus Christ. Well, if you're ashamed of that name, I don't know about you. Of whom the whole family, which is patria, where we get patriarchal, all that from in the English language, which is kindred lineage running back to progenitor. Lineage running back to a progenitor. I found it amazing that science has now finally acknowledged that every human being on the earth comes from one woman. But not one man. But let me say it this way. Every member of the bride of Christ comes from one man with no woman involved. Praise God. It's not Jesus and the Baptist. Jesus and the message. It's not Jesus. And, you know, I'm talking about the denomination of the message. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus reproducing his children as the son over his own house. He is the progenitor. Notice this, a race or tribe. All those who in a given people lay claim to a common origin, Acts 2. All those who lay claim to, uh, they have this commonality among them that they have a common origin. First John chapter three, verse one. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, let us leave time. Step out of your time capsule with me. Let's step upon the brink of eternity. Let's step over and we'll look to the banister and we'll look way back before the time, before the word ever said, let there be. And then went whirling atoms and cosmic light, ultraviolet rays, Let's go back in the very mind of God. In very plain language, the true bride of Christ was in the mind of God eternally. Though not expressed until each came forth in the designated decreed season. This is why I'm here now. This is my time. This is your time. This is your time, Brother Rock. This is your time, you sisters and brothers. Amen. It was decreed by the eternal. This would be our time. As each member came forth 
it became expressed and took its place in the body. Thus, this bride is the literal, spoken, word, seed, bride. Now remember we looked at it last night that he called your name. He wrote your name and spoke your name and spoke it on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And though she is feminine in designation, she is also called the body of Christ. It is very apparent that she ought to be called that for she was predestinated in him, came from the same source, one progenitor, and was eternal with him and is now manifesting God. In a many-membered body, whereas once God was manifested in one member, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, here we are coming to a conclusion. As the eternal Logos God was manifested in the Son, and in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that eternal one was the Father manifest in flesh, and thereby gained the title of son. Nobody nobody else could do this but him. Every other man needs a female to be able to reproduce himself, and when he reproduces himself, it mixes with the DNA of the female that was used, but the eternal did not need a female goddess. Praise God. But he reproduced himself, amen, in a human form and kenosised himself into a human body and made his own human body to become the son over the whole house. Mm. Oh, glory to God. As the eternal one was the father made manifest in flesh and thereby gained the title of son. Dear Lord, even so we eternal in his thoughts in our turn became the many membered spoken word seed manifest in flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God. Even as we are so called, hang tight with me now, we did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed. And therefore, we're reborn. For only the elect can be reborn because we were seed. Is the reason we could be quickened and non-seed, there is nothing to quicken. Hold this carefully in mind. I think how privileged you are. That's right. 
what was once God's great mystery secret held back in his mind now was in yours. Now, the prophet just told us it was in the mind of God. Now he's telling you, hold this carefully in mind. Think of where we're fellowshipping today with the thoughts of the eternal. Before there was ever any angels, before there's ever any stardust, we have entered into a sphere in God's great world that he alone lived. But he has allowed, as he did his disciples when he first called them, and they become disciples and servants, as it were. And then he moved them up a little bit closer as he looked at last night in St. John 17. And he said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Judas wasn't there. Why? He wasn't a friend to Jesus. This is why, friends, I hate to say it, but this is why some folks will go away from us. They will go away, they will pull away. There will be certain things that will be preached right before the rapture. Foolish virgins cannot take. And he will not utter his secret. He will not disclose himself and reveal his most intimate being to anyone but his wife. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now take the next step. Y'all want to? Now take the next step. Redeem means to buy back. It restores to the original owner. God, by his death, the shed blood, bought back his own. He bought back the spoken word seed bride. My sheep hear my voice word and they follow me. You always were a sheep. You never were a pig or a dog turned into a sheep. That is impossible for every kind of life produces the same kind and there is no change in species. As we were in the thoughts of God then expressed in flesh. Notice. As we were in the thoughts of God, this is where you come from. You come straight from the mind of God. And whether you was born at home or born in a hospital, they picked you up and slapped you and you yelled out. The doctor didn't see it, your mama didn't see it, the nurses around didn't see it, but an attribute from God took on flesh. That attribute always was a sheep. Now that little sheep got hemmed up in a goat pen. That little sheep got hemmed up in a hog pen. You acted like a hog, you talked like a hog, you lived like a hog, you dressed like a hog. Come on, you bunch of people that's been redeemed. You've been redeemed from that old hog life. But that attribute of yours was never a hog. It was never a dog. It always was. What did it say? Abba, Father. Abba, Father. 
It always was a sheep. It never was a sinner. It never was unregenerate. But that little sheep comes straight from the mind of God. Like a missile from the thoughts of God. Landed in that seven pound, 13 ounce baby boy. Brother Ram said, many of you can fellowship with me on this thought. There was always something with you. He said, even when you was a child. Praise God. Who kept you in that car accident when you should have been killed? Who kept you when this happened and that happened when you should have died? Who kept you when the hospital, the doctor said he'll never make it to see his first birthday? Who kept you? You was an attribute from the mind of God that had a purpose of you being here on earth and there ain't enough devils out of hell to take you to that purpose is done. So look at this journey. Man, it's really done something. Now he's been able to create, create, make hypersonic missiles that reach Mach 5 speed. And they're so proud of themselves. My God sent me to the earth at Mach who knows what. I travel from eternity like a thought. Isn't it amazing we can text friends? I can text friends in South Africa. Answered a text this morning from a pastor friend in mine in South Africa. And just a matter of moments, it reached him and he's able to respond back. Yet if I make that, that journey, the third longest flight in the world from Atlanta to Johannesburg, the third longest flight in the world, and yes, I made it several times. It will take me hours and hours and hours. You ain't stopping getting off the plane. You're on one airplane the whole time. Why? Because my body has not caught up with thought travel. Yet I can send my words over a text or over an email or we can pick up the phone. Oh, hallelujah. Man will never break into that speed. It's reserved for the bride. After all, that's the way I come to the earth. That's the way I leave. Whether I go in the rapture or whether I go by the way of the grave when my old body lays there and I take my last breath, my attribute leaves out of this body and flies right into my theophany. Hallelujah. Traveling as a thought. We were in the thoughts of God then expressed in flesh. Oh, I left that world of unexpressed thoughts, unexpressed attributes. I remember nothing. I can recall nothing. I cannot tell you anything about being there. I have no recollection. And then when I get here, it's months and months before I ever start knowing anything. Just a wee little baby. Then I start recognizing my mama, my daddy. I had no siblings since I was the oldest. And then I started knowing who I was. Well, I thought I knew who I was. I really knew who I was. When my mama would say, 
Donald Lee Reagan Jr. I knew I was in trouble. That's who I was. But one day, I heard my father call it. I didn't recognize his voice because I'd never heard it before. But something inside me responded to that call. What was it? An echo from where I came from. Praise God. As we were in the thoughts of God and then expressed in flesh, there had to come a day when we would hear his voice, the word, and hearing that voice become aware of our Father calling us. Not a church, not a pope, not a bishop, not even a preacher, but Father. Amen. And recognize that we are the sons of God. We heard his voice and we cried out as did the prodigal son. The prodigal son. Now, wait a minute, I, I thought that most every preacher that you hear preach about the prodigal son uses the parable of the prodigal son as a backslider. Someone who served God and got away from God and then to come back to God. But here the proper place is given to the prodigal son for after 2,000 years, it's finally placed in the right type. That it's not a backslider, but it's of those sheep that were born into this world out of divine fellowship with God. And that prodigal son, let me tell you, friend, that prodigal son was just as much a son down there on the hog block as he was when he got back to the father's house. Amen. He did not come to the father's house and he become a son. He was already a son, but he was out of divine fellowship with God. We heard his voice and we cried out as did the prodigal son. Save me, oh my father. I am. What? Are you sure you believe that? I am returning. So if you're returning, it means you gotta come from there to begin with so you couldn't go back. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Now remember, the prophet of God is actually here quoting scripture in the book of Galatians. Because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. If a son, thine heir of God through Christ. There it is. Jesus Christ came forth, died upon the cross, and accomplished redemption, restoring to original owner by means of purchase or paying the price, and thereby placed us as sons. He did not make us sons. For we were already, we were already his sons. But he placed us as sons. For as long as we were in the world and the flesh, we could not be recognized as his sons. We were held captive by the devil. I remember those days. 
but we were sons nonetheless. And hear this, because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, whereby you cry, Father, Father. Upon whom did the spirit fall at Pentecost? Sons. At Corinth? Sons. But you see, the modern gospel version is, well, you were this and this and this, and then you got this and this, and then you become sons. That's contrary to the Bible. He came to his own and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave he excusia, power to become or to come to pass the sons of God. Why? They were already a spoken word prophecy. Lord Jesus, they were already, their name was already in the Lamb's book of life and their destiny was predetermined by the Father himself who become a son over his own house and when he released his life and it got a hold of that little sheep seed, they come to pass. Praise God. They come to pass. They become birth without a woman. Let's stand. Let's stand. It's not sure that I don't think you all can take this. I'm not sure that I can take this next part. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, children, how blessed we are today. Aren't you glad you're part of the family of God? Can't you see why you never fit in church entity? Can't you see why the bride can never be satisfied with religion? Religion is a covering. I needed salvation, not a covering. Adam had a religion in the Garden of Eden, fig leaves, but it still smote his heart because he still hid when God come down. That's what religion does. It'll make you feel good on Sunday morning. Oh, yes, let's go to church and do our dues and this and that and the other. But you need salvation to be saved, not only from the devil, but saved from yourself. Because you are your greatest enemy. Oh, praise God. Don't you understand why you was ordained to receive the Holy Ghost? You was a thought of God. It wasn't you receiving the Holy Ghost that made you a thought. You was already a thought. Wandering around here in this old goat pen, down there feeding the pigs, and you would have vain filled your belly with the husk which the swine did eat on. But then the scripture says about you, the prodigal son, but he came to himself. He came to himself. What was himself? He came to himself, which was what? His former existence. So when he came to himself, notice his change that began from within. He began to talk about his father's house. Praise He wasn't himself when he was down there in the pig pit. He wasn't himself when he was a prodigal out of the fellowship of God and the fellowship of where he needed to be. But he finally come to himself. And when he come to himself, he said, 
They're servants in my father's house. And they've got this and this. And look at me. Now you imagine the Lord Jesus making this parable so, so disagreeable to the Jews. Because to a Jew, a hog is the lowest animal on the earth. And the second lowest was a dog. So the Lord Jesus said this boy, he was down there and he went to work for this rich guy feeding hogs. And you imagine when the Jews heard that, that's a Oh, oh, and then he humbled himself so much that he would eat off of those husks. But one day when he recognized, he said, I know what I'll do. I'm going back to my father's house. Now he didn't say, you know what? I'm a hog and I'm a pig down here. And I'm down here because I'm a pig. And I, I, I'm, I'm praying maybe that I'll go back to that rich man over there and that rich man will change me from the pig to his son. You totally missed the parable. But that's the way the so-called gospel is preached around the world. You imagine on his way back, his shoes were gone. His ring had been pawned. Sign of position. His garments were tattered and worn. And what he had on smelled like a hog pen. No telling how long it had been since he'd had a bath. As he kept getting closer and closer to home. How can I do this? What, what's wrong with me? He'll never accept me back. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. On the porch he sat thinking. Who's that coming down the lane alone? And he looked across the hill and he said, he looks so weary and so broken, but it's my boy. Hallelujah. It's my boy. He's finally coming home. He didn't send a wash tub. A whole big bunch of Dawn, Windex, all kinds of deodorant. But the Bible says he ran to meet him and embraced him. Hallelujah. And he said, I want you to bring the best robe, which you know, Brother Terry Horn preached it years ago. The best robe in the house was the father's robe. And I want you to bring a ring for his finger which is a sign of his position. And I want you to put shoes on his feet because slaves wore no shoes. The ground was hard, lots of rocks, made it really difficult for a slave to run away. So he said, I want you to shod his feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I want you to enclose him with a garment of righteousness. I want you to slide that understanding of that wedding band of predestinated unmerited grace on his finger. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord. Caroline, last night we got home, she said, wonder what we're waiting on. Wonder why we ain't already gone. I said, I don't know. Maybe it's one more that ain't got filled with the Holy Ghost yet. Maybe there's a prophecy on the timeline that the foolish virgin hasn't got lined up with yet. Or Israel. I don't know. 
but I want to do everything I can. Don't you? If you are one of us and you're just not filled with the Holy Ghost, don't you understand? You can hold us all back if your name is on that book and you're not where you need to be for my sake and Brother Wes's sake and all the rest of the sake of the bride around the world, would you please hurry up? What is taking you so long? But that's the love the Father has for one. Yes, sir. Amen. I hear him say it down in Tampa in 1964. We wonder why there's no revival. I don't know, but let's say it's this way. There's a little child in here today who was born over in Seattle, Washington. Now that book holds their name. The church will slug along, play along, have meetings and so forth until that child is old enough to receive it. You imagine the Lord Jesus hold the entire rapture and the resurrection of 2,000 years, hundreds of thousands or millions of saints being held in the sixth dimension because one sheep doesn't recognize Father yet. One prodigal son that's just coming to himself. I'm glad he's that way because what if it'd been me? What if it'd been you? What if it'd been you? Oh my. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. I wonder if there'd be one, no one looking at you now. Looking around, just please, everyone's head bowed. There'll be one here today that say, you know, I, I really don't, don't think if the rapture were to come today that I'm ready. I've got this in my heart, that in my heart. Is there anyone out that's streaming the service or some that'll archive it, wherever you are? You want to just bow your head there in your office, bow it in your home there in France, as y'all have done had church today and you're having church with us again. Maybe there's something lacking in you, young man. Maybe you're even a pastor's son. May the Spirit of God strike your prodigal heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May you hear your Father calling you home. Oh, what about it, saints of God, those of you that feel you have crossed the line, the point of no return, you'll never go back to the world. Sealed to the day of your redemption. But you need more of the Lord Jesus in your heart. Would you raise your hands today? You need to fall in love with him more. And let him gain a more preeminent spot in your life. Remember, he wants to carry out his work in the aspect of a body. For it will be through the body ministry that the Lord Jesus will continue on his work to the very end. As it was not just the apostles in the book of Acts, but there were evangelists, there were prophets, there were teachers, there were laity, there was Aquila and Priscilla, a man and his wife, who loved God and was able to reach many people for the cause of the Lord Jesus. 
No matter who you are and how small you think you are, every one of us are called for a position. You may never prophesy. You may never speak in tongues. But God has a place for you, my brother, my sister. Find it and work therein. That the Lord God can bring this body to a great time of crowning. You see, it's when the bride and the bridegroom would go under the hoopah. Praise God. When he would fetch her from her father's house. And they would go under the hoopah. And there they would make their last vows. And they would drink the last cup of wine. Praise the Lord. He would drink and she would drink. Also, they would bring forth a crown. And crown both bride and bridegroom. And they were king and queen for a seven-day feast. Praise God. So our Lord Jesus will take his bride into the hoopah of the rapture. And he said, I'll drink no more fruit of the vine with you until I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. We will sit down and drink. We will crown him king of kings. And he will come out with our crown and place it on us. And then what will happen shortly thereafter? We will go into the type of the seven. Praise God, the millennium. When the earth will break forth. Hallelujah. And the valley of Megiddo will be changed. As I stood a few years ago there upon the mount that Jesus' feet will touch one day and I look toward Jerusalem. Science has now found a great crack there, a great fault that they didn't know was there. I thought it's about time they're catching up because Zechariah says our Lord will stand there. Hallelujah. And the mountain will crack wide open and the children of Israel will run there and hide and flee there as they did in the days of Aziel. Praise God. And then the millennium will dawn and we will be king and queen over the earth. And the lion will lay down by the lamb. And the beast of the wild shall be led by a child. And I'll be changed from this creature that I am. Lord Jesus, we want to be their father more than anything in this world. This old goat pen, this old hog lot, this old dead man that we still carry around, he hinders us, he aggravates us, he sets us back. But Lord, in that resurrection or that rapture, whichever we're called to partake of, we will finally realize the fullness of our new birth. For we will have a body that matches our soul. Lord God, until that time arrives, may we be happy, peaceful, working, in love with you and in love with your people. May we do everything we can to edify the body. May we realize, Lord, the whole move of God is not about us. May we never, as Happy Valley Church, think that we are so vitally important. Everybody around the world needs us. May we realize every one of us here 
beginning with me, are replaceable. If I die, you'll raise somebody up. If that man dies, you'll raise somebody else up because your purpose supersedes me. As heartbreaking as it was, you took your prophet from the earth. His time had ended, and it must go this way. Every one of us, every musician, every song leader, every singer, we can all be replaced, but we all need one another. Lord Jesus, we love you today, Father. I pray you've spoken to every heart now, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes. A
stranger here but now I'm going home I'm going home mm-hmm. I'm going soon I'm going where I'm Sing it together.
goodness of God. Let's just sing this before we go this morning. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my day, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so
grace of God Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Praise the Lord Let's sing meeting in the air hey, Meeting in the air hey. Praise the Lord this morning Just go this morning Remember the service Wednesday night Be praying being praying for the service Let's just sing meeting in the air as we go There is going to be A meeting in the in a sweet, sweet by and by I'm going to meet you Meet you over there In that home beyond the sky Such singing you will hear Tempered by mortal here Will be glorious Sweet, sweet, I am. 